this is week 42 and chapter 11 uh, verses let's see 31 through 45 so last week we talked about Arjuna's response to seeing Krishna's universal form and um, here's a few things that from Bhagavad Gita O mighty armed one, all the planets with their demigods are disturbed at seeing your great form with its many faces, eyes, arms, thighs, legs, and bellies, and your many terrible teeth. And as they are disturbed, so am I. So he was disturbed. (laughs) O all-pervading Vishnu, seeing you with your many radiant colors touching the sky, your gaping mouths and your great glowing eyes, my mind is perturbed by fear. I can no longer maintain my steadiness or equilibrium of mind. O Lord of Lords, O Refuge of the Worlds, please be gracious to me. I cannot keep my balance. Seeing thus your blazing death-like faces and awful teeth in all directions, I am bewildered. All the sons of Dhritarashtra, along with their allied kings, Bhishma, Drona, Karna, and our chief soldiers also are rushing into your fearful mouths, and some I see trapped with heads smashed between your teeth. As the many waves of the rivers flow into the ocean, so do all these great warriors enter into your blazing mouths. And then he he concludes this little section by by saying, or I'm sorry, Sanjaya says to Dhritarashtra, um, kind of his position before he begins offering prayers to Krishna. O king, after hearing these words from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the trembling Arjuna offered obeisances with folded hands again and again. He fearfully spoke to Lord Krishna in a faltering voice. As follows. So then this is interesting. When Arjuna asks, please tell me who you are, obviously Krishna has unlimited qualities or ways to describe him, but it's interesting Krishna's response. He said, Time I am, destroyer of worlds. And um, He's saying that as he's in his universal form, right? Well he's saying he's saying to Krishna. Yeah. Um, no, Krishna's saying that to Arjuna. He's that that's his response. As he's emanating his universal form, right? As far as I understand, yeah. yeah. So I wonder <laughs> what mouth is he <laughs> Yeah. All of them? All yeah, because I don't think he's revealed yeah, his yeah, forearm form yet. That would be freaky. And I have come here to destroy all people, with the exception of you, the Pandavas. All soldiers here on both sides will be slain. So he's giving his manifestation in the form of that particular battlefield, what will happen. And then he goes on to say, that you can just be an instrument in the fight. And so Prabhupada, he explains, anyone who can understand the plan of the Supreme Lord and cultivate Krishna consciousness is most intelligent. The creation and destruction of the cosmic manifestation are under the superior guidance of God. Thus the battle of Kurukshetra was fought according to the plan of God. Arjuna was refusing to fight, but he was told that he should fight in accordance with the desire of the Supreme Lord. Then he would be happy. If one is in full Krishna consciousness and his life is devoted to the Lord's transcendental service, he is perfect. So Prabhupada was explaining how Arjuna was an expert warrior and and he should engage those skills in the service of Krishna. And then his life will be perfect. So that was a nice description by Srila Prabhupada. As usual, Srila Prabhupada always gives beautiful descriptions. Oh, yeah. Okay. Krishna, would you like to share? Oh, yeah, sure. Since well, again, um, a little hesitant. <laughs> boy, this was this was uh, again a tough a tough one to choose from. Switch it. No, so much information. Yeah, it was overwhelming. Yeah.
I couldn't like go back okay. and chew something. I had to oh just my put goodness! It down and yeah, it was it really was tough. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, fifty-five verse alone has a bunch of stuff in there. You know, so it's like, my goodness, outside of just the other choices you had, it's too many choices. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway, what I did was I had a recent experience with a friend of mine. So uh, this one was very perfect for this one. So it's out of 55 purport. And it says, a Krishna conscious person knows that if a man is suffering, it is due to his forgetfulness of his eternal relationship with Krishna. Therefore, the highest benefit one can, uh, can uh, render to human society is, to, is relieving one's neighbor from all material problems. So my understanding of that is the cause of all suffering is due to forgetting who and what we truly are and our position and relationship with the beloved with Lord Krishna. So the greatest service we can offer to others is to remind them of their true nature and position. So uh, application. This is where it came in to be. Uh, so recently, my friend who is a devout Buddhist has been for years. So we had this conversation about suffering, you know, and uh, so uh, it was kind of interesting when I read this and I thought, okay, you know, so when we debated about this, you know, uh, about suffering and stuff, and he was saying, well, yeah, you know, with Krishna people, they just all, you know, believe in Krishna and that's it. I said, well, no, wait a minute now, you know, I'll tell you what, let, let's play in your ballpark. Let's play in your philosophy. And really, we have more similarities in many ways than we do differences. The only difference is, is the Buddhists tend to, to cut off, their, they just take their philosophy just so far, and they don't take it another step further. So let's look at the core essence beliefs of Buddhism, which is in the Four Noble Truths. That's the, that's the core of everything. So the Four Noble Truths is basically, the number one noble truth is that there is suffering in the world. Okay, we can agree with that, there's suffering in the world. Yeah. Okay? And so the suffering that you suffer from the time you're born, from the time you die, you're suffering, you know? So we can all agree with that. The second noble truth is the cause of suffering. What is the cause of suffering? Now, when I was asking him this about what is the, I asked him what the second noble truth was. And he said, he said to me, he says, well, I can't remember. I said, you're Buddhist. <laughs> I says, I can remember these, you know? So the cause of the, is the cause of suffering. What's the cause of suffering? Yeah, so the cause of suffering was, did you want to answer that? Yeah. Um, I yes. think if she's here, then she'll be directed over here. Okay. Yeah, so the cause of suffering was basically, uh, you know, uh, is, is basically our attachment, you know, in a Buddhist way, our attachment and clinging to things material. Mm -hmm. Because we believe, the Buddhists believe that they have a true spiritual nature that's separate from the material world. Okay. It's, it's kind of, the only difference is, though, is that, is that they talk about you know the cause of suffering with that, but there's more to it than that. But that's basically what it was. What was the third? Did you say the third one? That was the second one. Okay. okay. So the third noble truth is that there is that suffering will end. Suffering can end. That's the third noble truth. Okay. And in the Buddhist sense, it is basically that uh, that you end your suffering by not attaching anymore, by not desiring things, by not having lusts and and all this sort of thing. Well, okay, agree with that. Okay. The only thing is, again, they stop right there, you know. So I said, so the, the additional thing to that is, let's, let's research that a little further, I told him. So let's go a little further with that and say that also is not accepting who and what you really are. Mm. 
Now, you believe, the Buddhists believe that you're not the body. They don't believe in the material body. He says, okay, we can agree with that. You know, they agree there's a true nature to themselves in some way. And I said, yeah, we agree with that. Okay, mm -hmm. that's great. I says, and he says, but that's it. I says, so we say that, yeah, we are not the body, but we are spirit soul. That's who we really are. The soul thing, you know, the soul thing gets really scary with Buddhists because they, they have this interpretation of the soul thing. And I said, well, but you're using a sense of true nature. True nature in itself is spiritual. I said, so, I said, there's really not too much difference there. The uh, next thing is, it says, have you ever wondered, then if we are this, then what are we supposed to be doing? <laughs> you know, what's our job? What's our occupation? Are we just sitting around, hanging around? Well, in Buddhist philosophy, they say, well, we just be. Well, now, how boring can that get? I said, you can do that for a while. I said, you can be and be in peace and bliss and all this sort of thing. But then all of a sudden, after you're out of the peace, peace and bliss, now what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, you're going to get bored with that after a while. I said, there is another step to that. Don't you ever think, ever ever thought that maybe what is your occupation? What are you supposed to be doing in the world, in the universe and everything else? And he says, well, yeah. And I says, well, in Krishna consciousness, we believe that we're loving, devoted servants to the Lord, to Krishna, to God. And he goes, oh, well, that's kind of intriguing and interesting. I said, yeah. I said, now yeah, you've got a job to do. So I said, so let's go to the fourth noble truth. Fourth noble truth is, this is the way out of suffering. Noble truth actually displays the way out of suffering, which is the, eight, the noble eightfold path, which basically is the right understanding of the world, right intention, right meditation, right concentration, so forth and so on. they got eight, eight different things. Yeah, okay, Krishna consciousness has that too. You know, basically it's the same thing. The only difference is, is we take, we take different steps. So one thing led to another, and basically... What I wind up saying, I said, I'll tell you what, do a, do a favor for me. And I says, two things. I says, when you meditate, try chanting the Maha Mantra silently to yourself while you meditation. Because he does mindful meditation, which just focuses on the breath, which is very common in Buddhist meditation. So I said, instead of doing that, I said, chant the Maha Mantra. Just try it and see what happens. You know? And then I also gave him a copy of the Bhagavad Gita. By the way, I have to tell you that. <laughs> okay. So I gave a copy of the Bhagavad Gita to him. Well, a week later... After this, he has these questions because he's reading the Bhagavad Gita and he's having questions. He says, you know what? That chanting is, is, is really working for me. I'm focusing better, I think, in my meditation. I said, well, there you go. See, it's a science. You try and see how it works and so forth and so on. So he was really kind of intrigued. I think I'm going to get him to come to a Sunday feast too, so it's kind of nice. But anyway, so my application is in that answer and that experience is basically that that that, you know, you can tell people, basically give them a mantra, basically, you know, give them the opportunity to try these things. And even a Buddhist himself can sit there and say, you know, he's been a long time Buddhist. I'm going to sit there and say, okay, you know, I'll try this out. You know, as long as they're open-minded enough to do that, to apply that. So that is a part of, I felt really good about that, and I felt good for him, more likely, about that. Because... In a way, he's, he's, he's expanding, he's really understanding, he's going a step further than what his philosophy has always taken him. You know, and that's what, unfortunately, what Buddhism does. It tends to limit it, just cuts it off right there and doesn't go any further. But I said, so, in a way, for him, it was, it was easy for him to, to understand that, that idea because, really, the idea to a point was similar. And I also told him that, you know, Lord Buddha was an incarnation of Krishna. And so we talked about that history, you know, so he was very intrigued by the whole thing. So again, the application, 
this right there is just to continue to do that for myself. Yeah. So it's just ironic that that came up. And, you know, <laughs> it was, yeah. It's just amazing how when we, when we get into Krishna consciousness, we can see everything fits in to this philosophy. Yeah. Literally everything. Like if you, like as you were going through those Four Noble Truths, mm -hmm. I was thinking of Bhagavad Gita verses that correlate with like every single one including the Eightfold Noble Path. Exactly. It's like, like all that is answered in Bhagavad Gita, too, and, yeah, from, from, a, from a perspective of ultimately Bhakti Yoga. Yeah, I mean, it has, it has that perspective, but it also continues. It adds to, it, it enhances whatever yeah. is there. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice preaching. He's, He's done. Yeah. <laughs> He's done. He's going back home. He's going back home. Man. It's only a matter of time. He's chanting now. I mean, that's the greatest benediction you could yeah, give somebody. Yeah, this is great. So. Going back. It's, a, it's a wrap. He gave the greatest gift. Yeah. Yeah. So he, that's yeah. wonderful. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> I can share. That's fun. Do you want to share? Okay. So I just basically. Um, I chose text 55 because, well, you'll see. My dear Arjuna, he who engages in my pure devotional service, free from the contaminations of fruitive activities and mental speculation, he who works for me, who makes me the supreme goal of his life, and who is friendly to every living being, he certainly comes to me. I absolutely love this verse for so many reasons. First of all, it's basically the essence of the entire Bhagavad Gita, as, as Prabhupada states in, in the purport. It basically covers everything. Yes. And it is 100% non-sectarian. <laughs> in other words, Krishna isn't giving Arjuna some sectarian affiliation to which he should become a part of. He is simply giving these universal principles that anyone in any practice, be it Christianity, be it Buddhism, whatever practice, they can incorporate into their practice and then they can derive even greater understanding, greater realization and become even, even that much more realized, ultimately becoming a, a devotee of Krishna. So to me, I think this is so interesting. He, he first talks about he who engages in my pure devotional service. Um, you know, pure devotional service, you think about like no aspirations, no desire for any kind of material profit whatsoever. In other words, you have no reason for doing it except because you simply want to please Krishna. That's it. You just want to serve. You want to please Krishna. It puts a smile on your face to see Krishna happy. Right. And that and that's simply your motivation. I mean, that's absolutely incredible to think that we can that we can do something like that. So that's absolutely beautiful, pure devotional service. And then free from the contaminations of fruitive activities. So, again, you know, when I th actually I, I, I wrote a, a really a really nice post because I was inspired by this verse. So I shared this post. And I'm, I might as well just share the post because it kind of summarizes what I want to say. Where I, t I basically talk about how society nowadays is, is basically just sense gratification. When you think about it, like what people consider spirituality today is more just like the latest and greatest way of gratifying your senses, whatever that may look like, whatever that may be. 
And so, so it's like this pseudo-spirituality in the guise of, of real spirituality, but it's not. So we know that because true spirituality is centered around Krishna. It's not really centered around us. You know, it's centered around Krishna. It's we want to please Krishna's senses. We don't want to gratify our senses. We want to gratify Krishna's senses. So we understand this. And, and then he breaks it down. He says, this is the perfect formula. This is what Prabhupada is saying here. It's the perfect formula. So he says, he who engages in my service, we spoke of that, free from contaminations of fruitive activity, seeking sense gratification, and mental speculations. This is a huge one. This is such a huge one. He covers all bases because everyone is trying to concoct, concoct their own spiritual path. That's what people are doing every single day. You see it. So it's like, I'm going to create this path or this, and then I'm going to title it as spiritual because it's self-serving. Ultimately, it goes back to, yeah, it's my truth. Truth is relative. I can come up with my thing. You know, it's okay. So again, it, it, it talks about that. It talks about he who works for me. And we understand what that means. Someone who is offering the fruits of their work to Krishna completely unattached to the results. In other words, they're not thinking like, oh man, you know, what can I gain from this process, you know, from this work or from this endeavor? They're basically just working and it's like the entire process from beginning to end is, is relishable. It's sweet because it's Krishna conscious. It's the essence of bhakti. So it's like, it's not like material life where you are working and endeavoring and working really, really hard for some end goal. And not until you, you reach that end goal, is not until that point is you don't actually experience any kind of happiness, joy. And it's usually like, you know, not really enjoyable throughout the course in getting there. But Krishna consciousness is so different. So even if it's something mundane that the majority of the world would consider, you know, just not, not really exciting or not pleasing for the devotee, who is doing it as an offering to Krishna, it's absolutely relishable from the very beginning to the very end. So I thought that's so beautiful. And then who, and this is the big one, who makes me, like me, Krishna, me, the supreme goal of his life. In other words, Krishna is the center. In other words, you're not the center, Krishna is the center, and everything revolves around Krishna, who makes me the supreme goal of his life. And who is friendly to every living being. I love how he throws that in there at the end. I, I thought that was yes. so awesome, Krishna. And by the way, don't be a speciesist, all right? All right? Don't be a speciesist. Love every living being, every single kind of, of, of living entity, every single kind of species. Love them and be friendly to them. And then Krishna says, he certainly comes to me. And that's obviously the goal of spirituality. The goal is to connect with Krishna, is to, is to regain our long-lost relationship, our love with Krishna. So this verse is absolutely powerful. 11.55, I love it. It is everything and more. And um, yeah, that's my understanding of it. Um, how do I apply this verse? <laughs> 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 How do I apply this verse where there's nine processes of devotional service? And what's sweet about that is that Krishna says that even just engaging in one of these processes, you can attain perfection by just simply engaging in one of these processes. So but, yeah. but 
We don't stop there. We don't have to stop there. We can engage in all of them. So that's really nice. Why? Because they're all equally relishable. They're all equally um, pleasing to the devotee and ultimately pleasing to Krishna. Um, so, so that's really what it's all about, is just really engaging and following his instructions. You know, following it to the T. Why? Because we want to go back to him. Ultimately, that's the goal, is to go back home, back to Godhead. All right, that's, that's it. I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay, so we can, we can attain perfection by following any one of the nine processes. But is that relevant to everyone at all time, places, and circumstances? What do you all think? Mm. What was that? Is that so relevant to it's, it's stated in, in Srimad Bhagavatam mm. um, that by, any, by following any one of these nine processes of devotional service, we can attain perfection. But is that relevant to everyone at all times, places, and circumstances? I would say it was, it's relevant to us in Kali Yuga. Okay. Any other answers? I would say no. Okay. I would say no. Why would you? What would you say? Why I would say no is because, because although we have oneness, we also have individuality. So any one of these processes, we can attune. Maybe some people can attune better to, or can be able to uh, take action in one of those processes better than another person could, just because it's just, just because of the part of their individuality, be able to do that to take take to that. Uh, pretty quickly, where other ones are maybe more challenging. And also depends on time, place, and circumstance also. That's mm -hmm. another factor that's thrown into that on top of that. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I think they're all, absolutely, they all are valid, but they're not always fit for everyone to be able to practice. Exactly. That's what I would, that's what I would think. Okay. That makes a certain yeah, amount of sense. I, mean, I think I read that somewhere too. I can't remember where, but. Yeah, nice. Did you want to add something? That's exactly what I was Okay. Thinking. Do you uh, want to say anything? Yeah, right now, uh, because uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave for this Kali Yuga just chanting the Harinam, so I would say that's the best we can do yeah. at any time, a place, and mm. anywhere. Just chanting is the best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so take this for example. We've made a vow to Guru to chant 16 rounds a day. Right. And so we can say, well, if I just follow the servitor process of devotional service, it says in the scriptures that I can attain perfection. So we give up our chain by 16 rounds. If we do mm. what? Well, oh, so that's say, different. But do, you, do you, but do you see what I mean? Though? Yeah, but that would yeah. be different. Because there's the, I, I, I was separated a little bit by saying, yeah, yeah that was the case. That, yeah. But there's foundational core things that, that must be practiced because mm -hmm. it's a part of the purification process. Mm -hmm. But other things, however, you know, like for instance, some people are really good at philosophy. Uh, remembering philosophy, my memory just is like, you know, not really that great sometimes. So maybe, but I could be very um, natural at maybe, um, I don't know, let's say I'm, I am janitorial background, I clean temples, I clean really good, you know. <laughs> well, if that's my forte to serve, then that would be a way to serve, you know. But it doesn't stop you from saying, well, I can do that and then stop my chanting. Well, no, 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 no. So that's what I would say. Would that be reasonable? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I feel like it's it's a little different, like you were saying, okay. because, yeah. you know, once you take a guru, that's a vow that you take. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like, you know, like, okay, if this is something you could do, but, you know, like, if, if 
in a day you don't really want to do this, you can always hear or you can always do... No, there's no if or or but. It's like, this is it. Like, if you take the vows, then... And this is so important for you personally, not only not only because you want to prove something, but it's for yourself. It's purifying for yourself. So it's... I feel like it's different, if that makes any yeah. sense. I think even Prabhupada, I read one time, Prabhupada even kind of kind of was really part of part of hardcore about that. You know, he, he said some statements. I've read it several times in lectures or letters that he wrote to other devotees. About says if if you if you're not chanting those sixteen rounds, you can't call yourself my disciple. So I mean, literally he that that was the core, you know, that you must continue to do. Now I've read that a few times and he yeah. said that. So I, I don't know. And I just thought about yeah. like, you know, like the these four principles that we follow, it's like the pillars. Yeah. Of, sure. yeah. So Imagine us trying to serve, right? Because it's called nine ways to serve the Lord and things like that, right? And so devotional service. Devotional ah, yes. service. Goes beyond so work. how can you perform devotional service when mm. you don't even have those pillars that, you mm. know, that foundation? How can you even know how to go about doing devotional service? You know, it, and in, in, it's in just a, different. In a true today. mood of devotion. Yeah. It's like just in, in a real mood of devotion, not just... I'm just doing this because if like it's like she's saying, if you're not even observing these four pillars of universal dharma, then you can't even begin to even tap into what is devotional service. You know what I mean? Like devotional service is beyond just something, you know, like like Krishna says, like worship. I think I think he I can't remember which verse it is in here. But he talks about how these are certain things that you can do. But even higher than this is pure devotional service. And that is rare. That's really actually, that's really rare. So, yeah, I, I, I think agree. It says something there that's the way you can understand Krishna. is through pure mm-hmm. devotional service. Yeah, see, yeah. this is a verse right here. The form you are seeing with your transcendental eyes cannot be understood simply by studying the Vedas. So if someone just wants to study the Vedas, right? nor by undergoing serious penances, nor by charity, nor by worship. It is not by these means that one can see me as I am. Only, in, only by undivided devotional service can I be understood as I am. There's, so, a, there's a statement in, in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Yeah. And that says, it's better that somebody is a dog eater and is trying to perform devotional service than a brahmana who's following all the principles but doesn't have any devotion to the mm-hmm. Lord. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the starting point, like like the for instance, Prabhupada in the beginning of the movement for Prabhupada, these these people that were coming to Prabhupada, they were committing like every abominable yeah, activity, nice. like they're breaking the four regs. That was their lifestyle was breaking the four regs. So but but because they were sincere, they were seeking something, they began engaging in devotional service and they were elevated through Prabhupada's association, Prabhupada's mercy, their practice, like that. So you're right, at a certain point, we have to, to attain pure devotional service, we have to follow, like in the Nectar of Instruction, Rupa Goswami says, Niyam Agraha. So Niyam Agraha, uh, there's two meanings. One is, don't practice the rules and regulations just for the sake of practicing. Mm-hmm. And the other meaning is, don't give up the rules and regulations, right. whimsically. Right. So it's, you see, it's, it's a narrow um, path. In terms of, what is the, the root word of being a devotee. Devoted. Being a devotee means you're devoted. And who are we devoted to? Krishna. We're devoted to um, our guru. 
So we're devoted to the Guru who's engaged us in the service of Krishna. So what was the Prabhupada's perfection? Prabhupada's perfection was that the first instruction his Guru gave was go to the West and preach Krishna consciousness. Mm-hmm. Prabhupada was in Vrindavan. He was a wonderful devotee, but he was aspiring to, to fulfill this desire of his Guru. And that was his perfection of his life. He went to the West and he completely satisfied his Guru. That's, you see, that's now, the perfection. That's, that's, is that one of the uh, processes of devotional service? To fulfill the orders of the spiritual master? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the point. Because yeah. like, like Arjuna, he, he attained perfection um, through uh, his friendship of, with Krishna mm-hmm. and servitude. So he was a friend of Krishna, but he also acted um, as a servant as well within this friendship. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that was Arjuna's perfection was that he fought the battle of Purusetra. Mm-hmm. You right. see what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was a warrior. That was his place. That was what his yeah. talent was or skill or whatever. So that was what, what Krishna is saying. Don't go off to the woods and yeah. be a meditator. That's right. not your dharma. Right. So ultimately our dharma means how we're engaged in devotional service based on our devoted relationship with, mm-hmm. with our guru. Because guru ultimately engages us the service of Krishna. It's just like the, the Guru recommends us to Radharani, ultimately. And then Radharani recommends us to Krishna. Mm-hmm. So our, the Guru is, is linking us by engaging us personally. So it's very personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, what does what is Guru, what is, what is Guru Dave want me to do in my current situation in life to, to serve? What is he? What is he? Maybe because maybe he'll give an ultimate mission, like like Bhattisiddhanta Saraswati did to Prabhupada. He goes, "I want you to do this for me." And like it's like this big, mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe it's just like I want you to do this right now, or whatever that is. And and the beautiful thing is, is that generally in our society, the way that Guru engages us and involves many of these different processes, starting with hearing and chanting, Shravanam Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam, remembering. How to save them, service, you know, developing friendship. It really involves, like this ISKCON society involves mm. oftentimes many of these nine processes. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah. I really liked, I already loved your post too. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, who wants to share next? Do you want to share? Okay. What, how are we doing on time? 542. <laughs> wow. Really? Wow. Okay, I'll be fast. Um, oh, that's okay. I chose um, 11.54 in the purport, where it says, um, where is it? The universal form with its thousands and thousands of heads and hands is manifested just to draw the attention of those who have no love for God. Um, this stood out to me because it brought me to a moment um, when I when I was starting to be a nanny, and I um, the the first family that I work with, these two girls, they were you know they were two years old and they had like twelve nannies before me. <laughs> it was crazy. And it was really hard for them to relate and be comfortable with other people that weren't their parents. And I remember every time I would come, they would like tell me no, you know, like all sorts of things to let me to kind of frustrate 
try to frustrate me or something like that, right? But what I did was um, I went in their playroom and I got, you know, I put some funny stuff on to just kind of be silly and make them laugh and just to make them understand that I'm here, you know, that I, I, that I want to be their friend and I, and I want to reach them and things like that. So it made me, it made me like think of like, okay, Krishna is willing to do all this to kind of spark the attention and, or spark the attraction from someone. You know, it just, it just says a lot about his heart. That is not, um, no, like you have to accept me as me. You know, it's not this pride or this thing. Like if you don't accept me, then, then forget it. You know, <laughs> he, he's willing to go the, to the extent to reach people and it reminded me of that moment you know like me putting all this stuff mm -hmm. to trying to reach these two little girls so it's like it's it's like that he treats us like children like he sees that you know there's a hurt there from something you know so let me just act in a certain way to spark their attention so I can get close to them even if it's just through a, like impersonal aspect just so they can you know, relate to me in some way and then eventually get to know me for who I really am. So I, I thought that was beautiful and I I love I love that little line because it brought me to that moment and I correlated and it was like an oh moment. So <laughs> um and how do I apply that? Just to try as much as I can when I'm preaching and I'm trying to reach out to others just to try as much as I can to be understanding and patient and try to reach them wherever they're at not without um what's the word without compromising you know there's like a fine line you, you can compromise on the truth but you can also like put it in a way that it's relatable and more you know, it's the right dose for the right person type of thing. I want to do with my Buddhist friend. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. So, yeah. Yeah. Really nice realization about the nature of Krishna. Yeah. Uh, because, of course, Bhagavad Gita, I think we already did this particular verse. Yeah, it was in, in the ninth chapter. That as we approach Krishna, he reciprocates. With us, which, which means he wants to reciprocate with us. Right. Because Krishna doesn't act except for by his own sweet will, as Prabhupada said. So he's not like he, he's forced, he's not a robot. Mm -hmm. But this is his nature, you see? Like, as you approach me, I, I, I reciprocate accordingly. That's not like a, it's not like a robotic setting on your microwave. Mm -hmm. right? As you press the button, then I, I, you know, I behave this way. No, it's, it's, Krishna, it's how Krishna is. Like he wants to connect with us, personally connect with us. So that's why in the morning he's always looking very beautiful on the altar. <laughs> and and like darshan, it means that we also want to catch the attention of the Lord. So when we are you know singing nicely, dancing nicely, wearing I try to wear. Clothes, nice clothes for Krishna. So, of course, if you're a sannyasi, then you might want to wear like rags. That might be more pleasing. Because <laughs> 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 he, he likes to see the renunciation of the yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's always uh, synthesis because we're preaching. Like a lot of sannyasis in our movement oftentimes can dress you know, very nice for the sake of representing Prabhupada nicely to the public and things like that. So there's different 
higher principles. There's principles in Krishna consciousness, there's lower principles and higher principles. If it wasn't for preaching, then the sannyasis shouldn't wear nice clothes. Like they should wear very, maybe torn or just. It's, it's, it's like a tight, like a skin or something. And that's what it says in the scriptures. It says that they should wear. Oh, that's like a brahmachari. A brahmachari, like, where it's have the pot, water pot, and the, the skin. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean. No, we don't do that. It depends. Yeah, it depends. There's still some. Yeah. But you know, Lord Jaitanya's pastimes with Sanat and Goswami. You know the pastimes, Sanat and Goswami, where he was wearing a nice, a nice blanket, I think. He was wearing a nice blanket, and Lord Jaitanya was glancing at it. Yeah. He, he kept on seeing Lord Jaitanya looking at it. He was a sannyasi. He was a renunciate. He had received this as a gift, and so he understood that he didn't want him to have that <laughs> nice. So he went down to the river, and he, he exchanged it. It was like a very nice, I don't know, cashmere or something, but someone had some like torn cloth, and he said, I'll exchange you this nice thing. And the person was shocked. <laughs> so when he went back in the association with Jaitanya, he could see he was very pleased. Wow. So, <laughs> so it depends on the situation. You see what I mean? But there's a higher principle with preaching. So, so the Lord would be more pleased that we're reaching people, we're, we're spreading Yuga Dharma, Sankirtan mission. So it, dep- it just depends. Mm-hmm. So, like Prabhupada would dress. Nicely, for the sake of preaching. But he wasn't attached to it. That's the difference. So, that's the principle here. That he's not attached to the opulence. He's attached to pleasing the Lord. That's, that's the whole principle of it. So, yeah. I just remember that he said um, that he went somewhere to preach. I think it was Texarkana or something. He went somewhere to preach and, and someone came up to him and he said, You're not a guru, you're wearing a nice watch. <laughs> he's like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, I need to know the time. Like, you reminded me of that. Yeah. You must be dirt, dirt poor or something. They, they have that image, I think, sometimes of of yogis and things like that, and people who, in yeah. the Western world especially, you know, if you renunciate, we're supposed to not have nothing. You're supposed to be like walking around naked or something. You know, I don't know what they think, but. And if the you case don't have be. any need for, for that type of dress, then you shouldn't. As, as right, right. What's the need for it? But I think, like you say, it's an adjustment depending on time, place, and circumstance, too, as yeah. well. I mean, in the West, we wouldn't dress like sadhus do in, the, in, in India because people would look at you like you were a transient bum or you're crazy or something. So you have to relate, in a way, to make sure that you're, you're, you're preaching. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. did you want to share? Today I have, I shouldn't, I didn't have time, so I said Krishna gave me some time. Oh, you had some time? Yeah. Oh, good. good. So I did prepare. I said, I want to prepare, I want to prepare, give me some time. <laughs> so this is from the verse 44. Yeah, the 44th verse, 43, 44. Yeah, it says, You are the Supreme Lord to be worshipped by every living being. Thus, I 
fall down to offer you my respectful obeisances and ask your mercy as a father tolerates the impudence of his son a friend the impertinence of a friend or a husband the familiarity of his wife please tolerate the wrongs i may have done you so this one is very very sweet because i felt like you know usually the familiarity breeds contempt it's given right so this verse exactly puts me in Arjuna's position as I might have offended knowingly or unknowingly the devotees. As Arjuna being a friend with Krishna begs Krishna's pardon. So I do the same here with Atul Prabhu being my Siksha Guru. Please pardon me if I have offended any time and please other devotees if I have offended, acted um, presumptuously, do pardon me please. So it's understanding. Even though we know we are souls, sometimes due to subtle elements, we tend to identify with the body and create a story for others. That portion of it I'm trying to change in me. Application. Trying to identify with the soul and not with the body. Trying to control my mind with chanting. Getting to know other person as clear as a glass without any inhibitions from my mind materially. Trying to understand this machine. I mean... I mean, this body given by Lord to maintain it properly to pra participate in Lord's service. So when you were saying that, I was just thinking of all the offenses you have committed against us. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't think you've ever committed an offense. <laughs> no, it's, 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 a nice, it's a nice. It's a nice. Just a It's a nice Because I do it many times outside, so I don't know if I, I'm pretty rude outside sometimes. So I'm trying to change that to outside. I cannot imagine. You have to be friendly to all of your entities. That's I'm trying to because my family. I keep begging pardon from them too. Mm. No, I, I scream, but you know, for a reason. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have principle. <laughs> <Sweet. laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you need to do that to be heard, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Wait, there was one Christian saint, because we used to, when I was growing up, read different Christian saints, and this person, they were so afraid of committing offenses to other people, like, that they were always begging everybody for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And then something happened at the end of their life, like some sort of miracle, but it was like this person was, was saved because of that mood of mm -hmm. always wanting to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Let's see if I can find this. Okay, Marari Mohini, she wasn't feeling good last week. But this week she shared last week's, and then next week she'll share this week's. She was going to do two, but she wasn't feeling well enough to do two. So this is from text 33 of chapter 11, which I thought was this week's. No. No, this is from 41. 40, 41 to 55. Oh, right, okay, 1 to 40, okay, right. This cosmic manifestation is a chance for the conditioned soul to go back to Godhead, back to home. Understanding, the soul transmigrates from millions of bodies and species of life, but when one gets a human body, one gets the chance to get out of the influence of material nature and go back to Godhead and get a spiritual body, eternal and full of knowledge and bliss, and to be with Krishna. Jai. Jai. Application. I am really taking the opportunity to use this life as an opportunity to go back to Godhead through becoming Krishna conscious and hearing from Krishna 
and doing devotional service. I can only imagine in the bliss of being with Krishna and continue to serve him forever. We are so blessed that Krishna gives us the opportunity to go back to him. I am so thankful. And we're thankful for you, and by your association, maybe we can go back to Godhead as well. And let's see, my discovery was from Bhagavad Gita 1155 as well. It was from the purport. There are many examples in history of devotees of the Lord who risked their lives for the spreading of God consciousness. The favorite example is Lord Jesus Christ. He was crucified by the non-devotees, but he sacrificed his life for spreading God-consciousness. Of course, it would be superficial to understand he was killed. Similarly, in India also, there are many examples, such as Thakur Haridas and Prahlad Maharaj. Why such risk? Because they wanted to spread Krishna consciousness, and it is difficult. A Krishna-conscious person knows that if a man is suffering, it is due to his forgetfulness of his eternal relationship with Krishna. What does he mean by it would be superficial to understand that he was killed? Well, he was a he was a mystic yogi. Yeah. So the understanding is just like um, Haridas Thakur suspended his life breath. Right, right. So, so basically, he, what Prabhupada's saying is like he didn't really die. He didn't die. Right. I get it. I get yeah. It. I just just the way he worded that. Because he it was obviously had symptoms of a mystic yogi. Oh, for sure. No yeah. Doubt. <clears throat> a Krishna conscious person knows that if a man is suffering it is due to his forgetfulness of his eternal relationship with Krishna therefore the highest benefit one can render to human society is relieving one's neighbor from the material problems in such a way a pure devotee is engaged in the service of the Lord now we can imagine how merciful Krishna is to those engaged in his service risking everything for him therefore it is certain that such persons must reach the supreme planet after leaving the body so your sacrifice is not in vain. When we do the Sankirtan Yagya, it's difficult, Prabhupada saying. It's never in vain. Actually, Prabhupada says, I'll take you back to Godhead by doing the Sankirtan Yagya. It's not easy to go out in the cold and chant and, you know, get whatever reactions we get from people. <laughs> it's not necessarily easy, yeah. but it's worth it. So understanding. Here, Sri the Prabhupada outlines the highest welfare work based on deep felt compassion of an awakened soul. Srila Prabhupada himself risks everything, but he glorifies other devotees who have similarly acted. The path to Godhead is through the mercy of the Lord's pure devotees. Here, Krishna's dearmost Srila Prabhupada makes a guarantee. Those who risk everything for this preaching work of pure compassion and love will, for certain, reach the supreme planet after leaving the body. Application I don't want to hold back. I want to be engaged by Srila Prabhupada's servants, my Gurudev, Shiksha Gurus, and devotees, and risking my life for the Sankirtan mission. What else is there? Mm. <laughs> what else is Sankirtan there? is life because it means pleasing the, the Yugavatar, Lord Jaitanya. Sankirtan so is there's life. Nothing else besides pleasing Lord Jaitanya Mahaprabhu. Can I ask one question personally? Mm. When you came to the Krishna consciousness, did you have any? Like um, setbacks from the parents, or from my parents? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At first, they were concerned, and they were kind of not like really heavily, but they were thinking like, "What is this?" You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was a little bit uneasy about it. Mm -hmm. But in time, they yeah, they uh, they actually were. My dad kind of embraces it. Awesome. My mom is like neutral, more so. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, yeah, but I got her to chant. And oh, I had to get wow. my dad. I had to get my dad to chant. So nice. So we'll see what happens. There's still some ways to go. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's six o'clock. Oh my goodness. What should we do? Um. Do you have to wrap up early? You know, we have to wrap up early. We could do a part two, like, next time, if you want to. You know what? I, next time, before the class starts, I'll review the question and answer. Yeah. So maybe we can go around. And we we'll go around. And we'll review Sometimes the Sometimes we have to do that. Because kind of I usually give a little, like, introduction based on what we covered last week, just to bring us up to speed. So next week, we can just do this to the beginning. Yeah, especially when you have a section that is so full of. I know. Yeah. Something. Sometimes we may have to do it that way. And just, and just keep in mind, too, that, like, Second Saturdays only happens what? It's a month or once a month. Yeah. So yeah. Typically, when we do is sitting down kirtan, it's once a month where we have to really be out there. Right. right. So, yeah. a little bit more leniency, I guess you can say, mm-hmm. with time. Mm-hmm. So, so we can. What do we do on the second Saturday? Today's second Saturday, so we're leaving right away. We're going to set up early. Oh, so we're not going to wait till like. You know, Krishna. 